Okay, so today we're going to be talking about the social gospel. Let's get into that. And here we go. The uh, four fallacies of the social gospel. All right. There are two gospels being preached in the church today. The one is the gospel of Jesus Christ with these messages of salvation and as seen in John chapter 3, verse 16. The other is a, is a social gospel, which teaches that Jesus was merely a social reformer, and he expects us to be social reformers too. The true gospel of Jesus Christ is a divine offer of salvation and an offer of redemption and deliverance from the penalty of sin. The social gospel is a mere human program for social reform. The true gospel of Jesus Christ is God's only message to lost men. Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures, and was buried and rose again the third day. And in a moment, in the twinkle of an eye, the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall rise, incorruptible, and we shall be changed. Okay? And the dead shall be raised, incorruptible, and we shall be changed. First Corinthians chapter 15, verses uh, 3 to uh, 4 and 52. This is the gospel. Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures. This is the good news of salvation and any person who perverts that gospel and offers people something else in place of it is putting himself in danger and putting in danger the souls of those who listen to him kind of think about martin luther king you know when i think about this because he preached the gospel that was not of the lord jesus christ and uh Whenever I hear talks about him and I don't hear anything about, you know, Martin Luther King preaching about being born again, repenting of your sins, repenting of being a racist, repenting of the attitude of thinking that you're better than another ethnic group because of the color of your skin. Um, calling out, you know, lawmakers and, and uh, cops and anybody who thinks it's right to beat, kill and rape black people or any other ethnicity. I don't hear him calling for people to repent, to take up the cross, deny themselves, and follow Jesus Christ. I don't hear any of that when Martin Luther King is brought up. All I hear that he was a person that fought injustice and, you know, fought for change and equality, when in reality, the, the equality people want is the right, you know, not only to not be persecuted for the color of their skin, but also the right to be gay, lesbian, trans, you know, all types of things that are against God. Okay. That always struck me a chord with me that there's something wrong when it comes to uplifting Martin Luther King. Now, these days, and even back then, if you ever were to speak a word against Martin Luther King, when it came to those issues, you were going to be called you know a coon you're going to be ostracized if you were white you'd be called a racist if you were black or you know be called a coon or you hate Martin Luther King you're a racist if you were you know like probably Spanish or any other ethnic group besides black okay and the same thing with Obama <clears throat> people try to say that he's a Christian and you know he's <clears throat> more in tune with Islam okay And he was on the same trip, you know, he was uh, basically for the LGBT, he was, 
he opened the floodgates for uh for uh gay gay marriage. All right. And look where we are now. Okay, trans people are trying to fight, you know, for the right to be in women's bathrooms and to have, and if you dare try to stop them, um, they will they will have guns. Okay. The main stress in the professing church during the past several decades has been away from the supernatural and towards social. One preacher writes, Monday evening, our church members are all busy running a rummage sale. Our church is a junk business. On Tuesday night, our members are serving dinner at the fair. Our church is in the restaurant business. On Wednesday night, they are making and selling aprons. Our church is in the dry goods business. On Thursday night, our members are busy borrowing costumes for the big annual entertainment. Our church is a theater business. On Friday night, they are gathering labels on box tops and selling jello. Our church is in the grocery business. On Saturday, our members are picking up pies, cakes, bread, and donuts, and the other church members bake. Our church is a baking business. And he concludes in saying, no wonder this community doesn't know what the business of the church is when Sunday morning comes around. That's deep. That's deep. Many churches are too much more than a, uh, many churches are not too much more than a social club. They sell almost anything to make money. Jello, oyster soup, dish rags, Christmas cards, anything, you name it. We have it. But the social gospel is something more serious and far more reaching than mere social activities. The social activity within so many churches is merely a byproduct of a false perverted gospel. All right. And the thing is, is uh, that's what it's become. Okay. They've lost the message of Christ. <clears throat> lost the message of uh, Christ in the... Um, and, and all of it, okay? Christ didn't care about uh, social justice. He didn't care about civil rights. And that's a harsh thing to say. It is. And people, people get mad when you say that, okay? Are you saying that God was for the oppression of black people and other ethnic groups? The thing is, okay, God more cares about your soul, all right? He care, he he's a king and he has an agenda and he demands that you know he demands that we put that paramount his word, his gospel and sharing the gospel to every living creature, to every human being, and across the world. That's what he cares about. Now, I'm grateful that we had, you know, we're able to be able to walk down the street, you know, use the same water fountain as every other ethnic group, go to the same schools. Okay. But at the end of the day, you have to understand that um, it was done with the guys, you know, under the guise of equality, but it was really for, you know, to bring black people into a burning house. 
Okay. You have to understand something. When people say all Americans, this code speak with that. We're all Americans. It's really like it's white first. Okay. This is the truth. Okay. Republicans. This is this is the Republican side. I mean, both sides, both sides are evil and demonic. Okay. But I want to, I'm going to talk to you about the Republican side, right? White first. Okay. When they say we're all Americans, white first. Okay. And any black person on the Republican side, a Republican or minority side does not get down with that program. You are the bad person. You are the bad minority. Okay. That's how it is. And Jesus isn't for that. Jesus does not play um, partiality. He's not for <clears throat> racism, right? But passing laws, okay, doesn't help the sinful condition. You could pass a law that it's illegal to hang black people, all right? And to a racist, it just means that I can't be racist towards you but I'll find other ways to be racist towards you. I'll cut your pay. I'll find a way to even chase you off my job and or find a way to get you hurt. You see, because the reality is, okay, you're just telling people like to behave, right? It's like a, a, a child that you tell them, you give them this harsh consequence, the harsh consequences if you keep doing this, right? Like in the days of the law, all right? But what about the heart? OK, it's rare when it, when you lay down the law and people obey it. But it's a whole different other thing when that person's heart has been changed by the spirit of God. And now that person sees racism is wrong. They repent of it and they st and they turn from that sin of racism. OK, as compared to like making laws and saying that. You know, killing people because they're a different skin color than you is wrong. Don't be, get me wrong. You have to make those laws. But it it's, has a more powerful effect when the spirit of God is changed the person's heart from stone to flesh. All right. And now they see the error of their ways. They see that person is not as a nigger or a chink or a kike, all right? They see that person as a person made in the image of God. Instead of seeing a person, because blacks can be racist too, as a cracker, you've seen that person, that person's made in the image of God. I should not call them a derogatory word anymore because I'm born again. I had my sins forgiven. I'm living for Jesus now. Big difference. All right. Then trying to for the government to try to create chaos. All right. To have people forced into a social gospel and forced into a burning house, forced into a white supremacist system. OK. And yeah. Very few people will probably take in the gospel.
if it was done God's way. And maybe if Martin Luther King woke up sooner and said, I ain't doing this, I'm going to preach Jesus, I'm going to preach, you know, about repentance, you know, turning from your sins of racism. It would have had an effect, maybe not on everyone. But the situation would probably have turned, probably would have been different. He probably would still be alive today. Won't probably have all the 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 the, the, the perks of being down with people like Rock, like a John Rockefeller, but he would have been alive. Probably would have struggled, lost his support. Things would be drastically different. But he would have been good with Jesus. You know, when I'm reading this, I'm thinking about, you know, um, where is it here? Okay. Um, Matthew chapter 21, verses 12 to 17. I'm thinking about Jesus cleansing the temple. I'll read it right here. After this, he went down to Capernaum, him and his mother and his brethren, his disciples, and they continued there not many days. And the Jews' Passover was at hand, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. And he found in the temple those that sold oxen and sheep and doves and the charges of money sitting. And when he had made a scourge of small cords and he drove them all out of the temple and the sheep and the oxen and poured out the changers and money and overthrew the tables and said unto them that sold doves, take these things hence, make not my father's house a house of merchandise. And his disciples remembered that it was written, the zeal of thine house has eaten me up. And then answered the Jews and said unto him, what sign showest thou us, seeing thou does these things? And Jesus answered and said unto them, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. He was talking about his body. Then said the Jews, Forty, forty and six years was this temple in the building, and wilt thou rear it up in three days? But he spake of the temple of his body. When therefore he was risen from the dead, and his disciples remembered that he had said unto them that they believed the scripture, and the word which Jesus has said. Okay. Now when he was in Jerusalem and at the Passover in the feast day, many believed in his name. And when they saw the miracles which he did, but Jesus did not commit himself unto them because he knew all men and needed not that any should testify of man, for he knew what was in man. Okay. And man has their own intentions, their own desires. Okay. And we're selfish and we do want to do things our way and we have our own agendas. And God wants people to turn away from their agendas. And very few people want to do that because, you know, the, the, the thing with the uh, <clears throat> the story with the rich man went to Jesus and said, I've done every all these laws. I've obeyed them ever since my youth. 
And Jesus said, that's good, but there's one thing you lack. Sell everything you have and come follow me. And the rich young ruler left. And in that, he broke every one of those commandments. Said, it's hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Okay. And, and some of you don't even have to have money. Is this you're rich in your heart and your mind with your own way and your own will? Okay. And, and that's why few people are going to come to Jesus. That's why so the social gospel is so appealing to so many people because I could have equality and have my goals met, my dream of being accepted, my dream of being equal to another person. Okay. And not have to be judged by the color of my skin. But here's the thing. Okay. God doesn't care about that. And the, another thing also is you have other people that want to be equal in the eyes of others and not be judged for, you know, their sexual preference. If they want to be able to sleep with a kid, that's what's going on now. All right. That is what's going on now. Uh, you have... The alphabet gang, LGBTQ, trying to make that happen, okay? And they, they, they're hiding under the guise of the social gospel, all right? Under the civil rights movement, because they were there too. And that was all part of the plan. To bring us into this new world order. And blacks who wanted it because they were being persecuted and discriminated, hosed down, treated like animals, they bought into it. Only to be kicked back into being at the economic bottom social class. It's like choosing, you know, it's like selling your birthright for a piece of lentil stew. In a way, in a way. Because you took it in, you, you fell hook, line, and sinker for it, and you're still in the same place where you were before. You know, it's just that now, People who want to sin against you and, and call you all types of names, they can't. So they'll find other ways to do it. And it will be over your head. Much like with Obama. Did a lot of things for other people. But when it came to the plight of blacks in this country, he rarely did things. Didn't really fight for reparations. Didn't really fight for things that would uh, upset the apple cart because he was has he, his job was to walk in ML, MLK's, Martin Luther King's footsteps in bring about the new world order. And not trying to wake up the people and not daring to even try to come to God and the true God and try to tell people to repent and 
stuff like that because you know what happened to Martin Luther King. Everyone recognizes that this is this world is full of problems. We live in a world of conflict. Ever since Adam and Eve rebelled against God, there has been contention and trouble on earth. Through 6,000 years of human history, the condition have only grown worse. Nation has been fighting against nation. The breach between the races have become wider and wider, and children are becoming increasingly rebellious against parents. In fact, this world has not known one single day since the fall of man in which there has been no strife and conflict. Now the social gospel is simply the teaching that God's answer to all this mess is that the church shall go out and attempt to get the whole world Christianized through social and political reforms, but does nothing about the heart and mind. Advocates for the social gospel say that the cure for the world's ills is to have everyone adequately fed and sufficiently clothed and living in warm, comfortable house. They believe that with the advance of democracy and science and universal education, mankind will build a new world. But listen, friends, better housing conditions and more education will not make the world a better place to which to live. The cause of all the sorrow and death and hatred in this world is sin. And until the sin problem is settled, there will be no release from the problems of mankind. So society will never improve until the individuals of societies are regenerated through the supernatural redemption, which God has provided through the blood of Jesus Christ. And the final solution to the world's problems will only be realized when Jesus comes back in person to be king over all the earth. Revelation chapter 19, verses 13 to 15. His name shall be called Word of God. And the armies which were in heaven followed upon the horses, clothed in linen, white and clean, and out of his mouth a sharp sword, that with it shall smite the nations, and he shall rule with them with a rod of iron. The powers of hell are assailing the church today in a way that we have never known before. Many preachers are emphasizing racial integration, world peace, and disarmament, the liberation of minorities, and failing to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ the doctrine of the new birth, because we believe that the social gospel is a serious departure from the faith of our fathers and from the will of God. We want to present in the message some of the basic fallacies and errors upon which it is founded on. All right. Number one, the social gospel teaches the false theory of the evolution, which ignores the fall of man. This is the first point where the advocates of the gospel takes issue with the Bible. One preacher says the fall of man is not a fact. Ever since we have known man on earth, he has been progressing mentally and morally. But Genesis chapter 3 tells about the fall of man. Genesis 6 describes the flood which swept man from the face of the earth because they had become corrupt. The whole book of Exodus is devoted to the history of sinful people. The scriptures everywhere present man as sinful, fallen being, fallen being, tending by nature to go away from God. The Bible declares that humanity is depraved and lost in its sin. And that there is none that doeth good. No, not one. Those who preach the social gospel claim that we all started as some kind of jelly on a shoreland of some prehistoric age. And that through millions of years of evolution, we have been working our way up toward perfection. Everything is lovely, they say. The world is getting better and better. Civilization is progressing. We have a world war once in a while. And a few little things like that. A few little things like that. You know, starvation. Uh, societies never recovering and slavery on a mass scale in certain places, you know, but, you know, every everything's fine. Everything's fine. You know, never mind the fact that, you know, we're approaching a third world war soon. OK, because our 
you know, the, the United States is trying to pick a fight with Russia. Okay, through a proxy war with Ukraine and also trying to fight China. At the same time, everything's okay, right? But there's nothing fundamentally wrong with man. He will work out his own salvation if you will give him just a little time. These men teach that men evolve from a lower form of animal by a slow process that gradually is getting better and better. And that is our Christian, Christian duty. That is the work of the church to give him a boost on his way up the ladder toward perfection. Adam was never a caveman swinging a club. He was a godlike, intelligent being, intelligent being who fell from the perfect state in which he had been created. Man in his state, present state, is not on his way up from the beast. He's on his way down from the best. If the first were true that he is on his way up from the beast, then all is then all he needs is culture. If the second is true that he's on his way down from the beast, then he needs Calvary. If the first is true, all he needs is more education. If the second is true, he needs regeneration. These false teachers say that man is on his way up. He's getting better and better. And that's all he needs is a boost. God says that man is on his way down. He's getting worse and worse. That what he needs is a birth. The supreme need of every human being born into the world is spiritual regeneration. Nick. Jesus told Nicodemus, a moral, religious, and educated man, that he must be born again. He ne Jesus never tried merely to improve social conditions. His work lay in creating new hearts. And, of course, this does indirectly improve social conditions, only to the extent that men receive Jesus Christ into their hearts. Only to the extent will the world become a better place in which to live. The Bible teaches that man was created in perfection. The first man, Adam, was not a privilege, a primitive savage. He was an intelligent man. He named the beasts of the field and the fowls of the air, but he fell from his state of perfection and all his posterity after him. And now man can be lifted up only through appropriating the plan which God has provided, the blood of Jesus. False teachers say that men started out as some prehistoric slime and that over millions and millions of years, he evolved into human being, and that through education, reformation, and legislation, he is gradually progressing toward a higher plane, and that all he needs is more education, more reformation, more legislation, and finally, the golden age will come. This is contrary to the word of God. This is the first fallacy of the social gospel. And I agree, because by now, we should be having, you know, more high-tech stuff, more... I mean, we had inventors having cars powered by water. But guess what happened? The government killed that person who created that piece of technology. We should be, be all because of greed, actually. Greed. All right. Because people who were into the car business that ran on gas didn't want any competition. All right. But let, you know, people who uphold the social gospel tell you that we're, man is getting better. No, it's getting worse. By now, we should have the best technology to help people. You know, safer ways of transportation that doesn't poison the ozone layer. But we're going into perdition.
Two, the social gospel asserts that the church will bring the kingdom of God on earth. And Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. You could look up that scripture yourself. The social gospel advocates looking at the church as a great ship sailing through the seas. The ocean might be stormy, they say, but the ship keeps on in triumph, surely to come into port someday with all the world on board. That's another thing, all right? Heaven, the kingdom of heaven is a very exclusive place. It's not a place for everyone. Everyone is not going to heaven. You're a Buddhist, you state you die in that, you're not going to heaven. You're a Roman Catholic, die in that, you're not going to heaven. You're a Muslim, you die in that, you're not going to heaven. Lukewarm, you're not going to heaven. You believe in any gospel aside from the gospel of Jesus Christ, you're not going to heaven. You're going to burn in hell. Okay. They accept the world to be Christianized and every man to be brought under the dominion of the gospel. But the Bible actually pictures a world as a ship, a sinking ship at that, from which the church is to salvage as many souls as possible. Key word, as many souls as possible. Because not everybody wants to be saved. Not everybody wants to be born again. And not everybody wants to avoid, obey Jesus Christ. Before it sinks under the seas of God's judgment, not one verse in the Bible teaches nor even hints that the world, whole world is going to be converted through the work of the church. Rather, God is calling out from the world a people who will honor his name. That this is the meaning of the word church, a called out people. And yet much denominational literature is filled with the teaching that the church must be Christ, must Christianize the world. One paper says there is still much work that needs to be done in the world in order to bring all mankind to Christ. That's a false teaching. It is our duty to bring Christ to all the world, to preach the gospel to every living creature, to evangelize. But it can never be our duty to bring all the world to Christ, to Christianize. For Jesus says in Matthew chapter 7, the majority of men will reject him. God's purpose in this age is not primarily to improve the social and moral order of the world, but to form his church, the body of called out believers in Christ. Acts chapter 15, verse 14 says, Simon hath declared how God did visit the Gentiles to take out of them a people for his name. The primary task of the church in this age is to preach the gospel of salvation to all men, to offer them eternal life in Jesus Christ and to gather them a remnant of true believers to teach them the ways of God. Those who are taught the ways of God will be concerned about the suffering of humanity and will offer relief and rehabilitation, but this will not be the only and primary concern. Many teachers today promote the idea that the church is merely an agency of world betterment. They talk about bringing things into the kingdom and making the world a fit place in which to live and to sort of, and that sort of thing. The world was filled with social ills in Paul's day, but he made no attempt to free the slaves. He didn't even try and re reorganize society. He had no idea whatsoever of interfering with politics. The message of the, of the church is not a message of social reform, but a message of personal redemption in Jesus Christ. This is going to be a very, very Imagine a pastor talking about this, saying God does not give a damn about social 
reform. God cares about the regeneration of your heart and your mind. Only then can you really fix racism. And like I said before, many people aren't going to come to the Lord. Listen, how many people got in that ark? How many people got on that ark? Was it a thousand? Was it a hundred? Was it 10? Or was it just eight souls out of billions of people living in Noah's day? Did everybody survive the promised land? Or was it just the young generation, everyone under 20 years of age? And was it only Joshua and Caleb from the old generation that went with the rest under 20 years of age into the promised land? What did Jesus say? Broad is the path of destruction, narrow is the gate to eternal life. Many don't take the narrow way because it's uncomfortable. Few that be there that find it. Not only is it rough, you have to find that road. The Holy Ghost has to lead you there. Three, the social gospel declares that all men are children of God. Ooh, big red flag. One prominent teacher, prominent preacher says the basic institution of Christianity is that God is our father and that therefore all men are brothers. The world is a human family with God as the father. Please note, we do not offer you a brotherhood of Christianity, only, of Christian only. Now, if God is the father of all mankind, and if we are all his children, then we must all be inherently good. If all men are the children of God, there is no kingdom of evil. There is no devil and there is no hell. There's no need for a place of punishment when all persons are basically good and are the children of God. One preacher says, I believe all of us are more godlike than we really know. It's merely a matter of bringing it out. What a man requires is not regeneration in the old sense or a change in nature, but simply an awakening to what he really is. This man is saying that we are all godlike. We all have to do is to wake up and see how godly we are. This is from the pit of hell. This is straight from the pit of hell. From this same false teaching, the these men are also concluding that sin is not a personal evil, but a social evil, the consequence of improper social conditions. They say, clear away the slums, give the drunkard a new house, see everybody, every boy and girl gets a free public education. I don't know if you know, but you know, public education schools are kind of garbage. And everything will all be all right. Sin will disappear. The Bible, however, does not teach that if we give people enough soup and enough soap, they will be all right. Some of the most brutal crimes ever committed have occurred in the most educated and civilized parts of the world. It's true that our Lord might disapprove of the slums, but he wants us to spend our time facing the real problem, the slums of the human heart. The fact is that all men are not the children of God. The Bible teaches that there are really two brotherhoods in this world. There are those who are in Adam and those who are in Christ. The New Testament most clearly teaches that men are not the children of God by the first birth, but they and they must be converted and born again before they become children of God in the true sense of the word. The Bible says in John chapter 1, verse 12, to as many as received him, Christ, to them he gave them the power, the right to become sons of God. Galatians chapter 3, verse 26 
says, Ye are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. First John chapter 3, verse 10. We read in this, The children of God are manifest, and the children of the devil, whosoever doeth not righteousness, is not of God, neither he that loveth not his brother. Jesus is in telling the parable of the wheat and the tares, the good seed are the children of the kingdom, but the tares are the children of the wicked one. Jesus clearly says that there are two distinct classes of people in this world. The one class who calls the children of God, the other he calls the children of the devil. All men are creatures of God in the sense that God made us all, but now no one does, oh, I'm sorry, but nowhere does the New Testament say that all men are the children of God. If all men are brothers merely because God created them, then they are brothers not only to human beings, but also to prairie dogs, tadpoles, Texas rabbits, and in fact, any creature you can you can name. The only brotherhood a man taught in the scriptures is that of the household of faith. Those who have been born again, purchased of the blood of Jesus at Calvary. Therefore, in the view of the fact that men who have never been converted to Christ are not children of God, but are on the road to eternal perdition. It is clear that the supreme duty of the church is not to remove mere outward social conditions, but to win men to repentance and to a personal faith in Jesus Christ. Four, the social gospel emphasizes the building of a united super church. Yep, yep, yep. Unification of church and state. I'd say that this this is where the, this is where real like I said this is the new world order right here. The prophetic scriptures indicate in the end of the age there will be a trend towards centralization in every area of humanity in politics. This means a world government, religion it means a world church. Religion is now shaping into a world organization. The demand for a one world religion religion is growing in the minds of many Catholic and Protestant church leaders alike. The goal of the Ecumenical movement from its very beginning has been the formation of a united church body to which Protestant, Catholic, and Orthodox groups should finally merge. The word eucumental is used as much in our day. It literally means worldwide in extent. And when used in connection, the church unity, it simply speaks of bringing of all professing Christians throughout the world into one great religious organization. The Council of Churches are functioning as instruments for the building of this future united church. The Bible predicts an incremental church and a world political leader in the last days. The cries for these two men are heard on every hand today. In the political realm, the fear of an atomic war is bringing on the cry of a united world. We are told the civilization is doomed unless the nations unite under one federal hand. This is leading to the beast out of the sea. The Antichrist, Revelation chapter 13, says that he will be a man of marvelous appearance, a kind of president over all the earth. All the civilized world will wonder after him and do homage to him. And in his pride, he will speak great and blasphemous things against God. In the religious realm, men are deploring the differences that exist in denominations within Christendom. And as a result, movements are on foot to form union of churches. Church leaders say that the division is the scandal of Christianity, that it weakens our churches, and so the cry goes out for church union and world brotherhood. You may remember that the Pharisees and Sadducees were divided in their religious beliefs too. Acts 23 says that one group believed in the resurrection and the doctrine of angels, whereas the other did not. 
when Jesus met with so with so much opposition among the people and saw all the religious controversy, why didn't he unite all those different groups into one federated movement and become the president of the new society himself? Church union always involves compromise at the expense of the purity of the faith. I trust that together we can say our faith is in the living God. Our hope is not in the United Nations. We don't believe that education is the solution to our problems. Our hope is in the second coming of Jesus Christ. We accept what the Bible teaches about him. Even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Eventually, <laughs> it's going to come to the point that, you know, Christians are going to have to spiritually put up or shut up. It's going to come to a point that uh, are we going to stand on this? Are we going to fold? Because um, <clears throat> once this world leader comes on the scene, people are going to love him just like they loved Obama. Do you remember what it was like when you tried to speak out against Obama and his policies and what he wanted and people were you know, got very angry, especially if you were a black person. Okay. And you saw what was happening. He was no better than the other presidents. You see what's happening when you speak out against Trump. Okay. And he, he's, he doesn't believe he needs forgiveness. He blatantly tells you he doesn't need forgiveness. He just thinks he could just try better next time. But people, but Christians would like to prop him up like he's a Christian. Even though the man's been married more than once, he has a he had a first wife living, and he's on a uh, what is it? What second, third, fourth? I'm not sure about the marriages, but he's you know he's in adultery. But Christians want to lift up these leaders. Okay, it's going to come to a time where, you know, you're. When that Antichrist gets hurt and he rises up, and he starts dishing out punishment, especially to the Christians, because you can't buy, eat, or sell without taking the mark of the beast. Okay? And Christians can't be like, well, I'll never take it. Look what happened when, when it came to, you know, ever since, what, 2019? What happened then? Yeah, I thought so. That was just a practice run. That was a trial run. I'm sorry. Trial run. For when the real time it comes, when it comes to put up or shut up. It's going to be something, man. It's going to be something. Scary times ahead. Okay. I hope this blesses you. Um, I really hope that uh, we could have a good discussion. All right. Like the video. Helps to be an algorithm. And um, may this work, may this, you know, may this video bless you and keep you. Um, well, you know, the Lord Jesus keep you. And I uh, hope it uh, helps you to grow and as it helps me to grow. I'm challenged myself. The more you look up, the more you know that, you know, we're in some rough times. All right. 
like, share, like, share, comment, and subscribe. Peace and God bless.